I'd like to turn to two key texts today. First of all, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, and then we'll read from Matthew 24. Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me. This is Joseph who has revealed himself now to his brothers who had betrayed him many years before. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Repeat that phrase with me. To save much people alive. That is the heart of God. And everything He does and everything that happens, God has this intent to save much people alive. And now let's turn to Jesus' words, the famous 24th chapter of Matthew, that is probably, at least among the Gospels, the most comprehensive and condensed overview or summary of end-time events. But right in the middle of that, Matthew 24, verse 36, Jesus said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Let me just pause. There are more categories of people marrying today than ever before. There are males marrying males and females marrying females. There are L's marrying B's and G's marrying T's and, and Q's maybe marrying all three. I don't know. It's getting confusing with 66 genders and counting. What next? Never has this been more applicable than it is today in the 21st century. Verse 39, but they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be drinking Starbucks grinds. The one taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready for in such an hour everybody say in an hour as you think not the son of man cometh we used to say don't let the sun go down on your wrath but now we are so near to the coming of the lord i say don't let an hour pass without repenting if you need to amen Verse 45, who then is that faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. The ultimate question on your life and your eternal destination is what will the Lord find you doing when he returns? And he's coming soon, any day, any hour any moment. My message title today is this, what in this world is going on? What in this world is going 
on. God, I pray your blessing on your anointed word. Let me preach it with the unction of the Holy Ghost as you have so designed. And I pray, God, you would give all of us ears to hear what your spirit through your word is saying to the church. And God, let us not be hearers only, but let us be doers of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. And let's give the Lord one more mighty praise before we're seated. You may be seated. God, richly, richly bless you. What in this world is going on? It is ironic that in the year 2020, which most commonly referred to perfect vision, no one would envision or foresee what would transpire, or that the year 2020 would become prophetic, or prescient at least, a fulfillment of Acts 2020 by forcing us to have church in ways we never anticipated, publicly and house to house. Many entered into the year 2020 by praying and emphasizing 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, which says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin." and will heal their land. But many, if not most, rarely considered the verse preceding it, 2 Chronicles 7, 13. 13 traditionally, an unlucky number, unless your name happens to be Manny Machado, I think. And here's what he said. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people. January 2020. The headlines were Australia on fire due to record drought. February, world headlines, Africa under deluge of locusts. March, world headlines, China virus becomes world plague. And probably pastors had this as the most asked question. Is this coronavirus, COVID-19, is this from God? Well, we know in the Bible there are three kinds of plagues. There's the plague that he visits on the ungodly only. There's the plague that he visits on the godly only. And then there's the plague that he visits on both. We know for sure this plague has been visited on both. But it still doesn't answer the question, is this from God? You know, the fact of the matter is no one really can say with certainty. We just don't know. But it really doesn't matter. Because whether it is or not from God, our response has to be the same. Second Chronicles 7.14 is the response to verse 13. If my people. It would be great if everyone in the world would call on the name of the Lord. But it's not required for heaven to move earth. If the people of God, if my people, he said. He said, if my people which are called by my name. No one better qualifies than the people of God who are called by his name than oneness apostolic Pentecostal people. The United Pentecostal Church International. We are the people of the name. Amen. The saving name Jesus. He said if we will humble 
ourselves. If we will pray, if we will seek his face, not just his hand, but his face, if we will turn from our ways, which are always wicked ways, if we're not following in his ways, he said then he would do these three things. If we will do those four things, he would hear from heaven, he would forgive our sin, he would heal our land. The week of March 8 to 15, 2020, was the last normal week in America. It would be Sunday, March 15. That would be the last time going to church would be taken for granted. Because the very next day, Monday, March 16, then President of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump, announced to our nation 15 days to slow the spread. Three days later, on March 19. California Governor Gavin Newsom became the first governor in America to issue an executive stay-at-home order affecting churches by forbidding in-person religious services and communal worship, violators of which would be subject to fines and even arrest and criminal punishment, effectively abrogating our constitutional rights of free exercise by declaring a state of emergency based on two conditions or goals. Number one, to keep hospitals from being overwhelmed. Number two, to flatten the curve of COVID-19 infectious rate. We had great success in California, especially in Southern California. The curve was flattened in just two weeks. By week number three, we bent the curve downward. And in spite of what you may have heard in the media, the truth of the matter is our hospitals remained underwhelmed, even having to lay off medical personnel. Yet churches remain closed Easter Sunday, April 12, in spite of numerous and multiple appeals to the governor. First time in America, perhaps in all of its history, that churches, by and large, were closed Easter Sunday all across our nation. Meantime, airlines continued flying with no government restrictions, each airline being allowed to self-regulate, but not churches. Churches remained empty. Yet churches have inviolable constitutional rights. Airlines were not even thought of, much less named in the Constitution. Many factories continued operating. Many stores remained open. Many office buildings, even marijuana dispensaries, liquor stores, and even abortion clinics were deemed essential and allowed to remain open. Talk about replacing evil with good and good with evil, or calling evil good and good evil. Talk about putting darkness for light and light for darkness. Talk about exchanging bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. To allow liquor stores to continue dispensing the cheap spirits out of a whiskey bottle while closing the doors of a church where people can experience the real spirit of an almighty God that's life-changing, that is sacrilege. Of a greater affront to me was the signage that appeared on planned murderhood clinics. Big banners that said, these doors stay open. Even though, even though, seven times more people die by abortion daily than by COVID. Planned parenthood clinics and abortion clinics are not in the Constitution, nor are many other. So that are deemed or were deemed essential by 
our governors. But churches are in the Constitution. Thus, churches should be the last to close in an emergency government exigency and the first to reopen. So why this unprecedented discriminatory attack on churches? I've been asked that question multiple times. In fact, one reporter said, does Gavin Newsom have something out for you personally? I said, no, I don't even personally know Gavin Newsom. We do have a mutual friend, and early, early on, I had my mutual friend hand deliver a letter from me to him that he received, and uh, hopefully he read the letter in its entirety, and it represented all of our church at college. But no, it's not, it's not a personal thing. So why this discriminatory attack on churches? Well, here's why. The first mention of church in the Bible is by Jesus Christ himself in Matthew 16 and 18. Now think of the context here. The Jews knew the tabernacle. They knew the temple. They knew the synagogue. But when Jesus said church, they didn't know what he was talking about. That was a new word for them. That was a new term for them. The Greek word is ecclesia, which means called out ones. And indeed, the church is called out of every nation, tribe, kindred, and tongue on earth. Called out of the tabernacle, called out of the temple, called out of the synagogue to form this new thing Jesus called the church. The tabernacle was replaced by the temple. The temple would be destroyed multiple times times. But concerning the church, Jesus said, I love the church so much, I'm going to give my life for it. I love the church so much, I'm going to make the church invincible. And he says this in Matthew 16, 18, upon this rock, I will build my church, my church, my church. It's not your church. It's not my church is his church, praise God. It's the church of Jesus Christ built on the rock. And he said, the very gates of hell will not prevail against my church. If hell successfully prevails against the church, it wasn't the church Jesus built. Because he said, I build my church on the rock of the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. Amen. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. He made it invincible. In times like these, the church is the most essential, safest place on planet earth. Hallelujah. It is. It is. Amen. If your enemy is threatening you, run to church. If Satan is oppressing you, get to church. If your life is falling apart, amen, get back in the church. Hallelujah. If your marriage is starting to crumble, come to church. Amen. Church. Church. Church, you'll be safe at church. You're invincible at church. The gates of hell can't prevail against the church of the Lord. Praise God. The psalmist writes, David writes in Psalm 122.1, I was glad when they said unto me. Anybody glad? Anybody glad? Anybody glad? Anybody glad? My wife and I have four grandchildren. The youngest is four. Her name is Addie. She has three older brothers, and she bosses them around. 
And she, every Sunday morning, wakes up those boys, and she won't leave the room until they get up. She says, boys, get up. It's time to go to church. Get up, boys. It's church day. Get up, boys. It's church day. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into, into the house of the Lord. That verse means more to us today than ever before in our lifetimes. A recent Gallup poll confirms only one group have improved mental health during this pandemic. Those who attend church weekly. And the Bible affirms this. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. Jesus said, I will be in their midst. Matthew 18, 20. Psalm 35, 18. I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. Psalm 107, 32. Exalt him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly. Psalm 122, 1. Let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 151. Praise him, praise God in his sanctuary. Psalm 77, 13, thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Psalm 63, 2, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Psalm 73, 2 and 17, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped until I went into the sanctuary of God. Hallelujah. Psalm 134 and 2, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus' custom, Luke 4, 16, every, sa every Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, Acts 2, 1, and they were all in one place. Acts eleven twenty six. they assembled themselves, assembled themselves with the church. Acts 14, 27, they gathered the church together. 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. when you come together in the church, 1 Corinthians 14, 23, the whole church be come together into one place. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, even so much the more so as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Joel 2, 16, gather the people, sanctify the congregation. Now, I love this one. Write this one down. 1 Timothy 3, 15. You need to know this verse. Know how. Thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church. Which is the church. Anyone who says the gathering place of God's people is not important, you are wrong. The word of God says it is the church. When we gather together in the house of God, that's called the church. Praise God. Malachi 3.10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. Psalm 149 and 1, sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Pentecost happened in Acts 2.1 when they were all in one place. Amen. Pentecost falls from heaven when we gather together in one accord in one 
place, suddenly things happen. Suddenly there's a sound from heaven, like as of a rushing mighty wind. It fills all the house where they were sitting. Tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. That's Pentecost. Satan knows church is essential, even if our governors don't. And Satan also knows he has but a short time. And so he is doing everything he can, everything in his power to keep people from church. It's a sad day for America. If Christians are being discipled more by the nightly news than by the good news that's preached across this pulpit every Sunday. Whose report will you believe? Isaiah asked us that in 53.1. Whose report will you believe? The word of God builds faith. The words of man instills fear. Faith comes by hearing the word of God from the preacher God sent to you. Whose report will you believe? Usually, it'll be the report you've been listening to the most. We are engaged in spiritual warfare. Like I think as a church worldwide, we've never experienced, certainly not in our lifetimes. Paul writes in Ephesians 6 and 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high offices or high places. After keeping churches closed for Easter Sunday, April 12, 2020 and beyond, it would be on May 8 that California Governor Newsom would announce a reopen plan For California, he would say within a few days, 70% of businesses in our state will be open for operation, including even non-essential businesses, but not churches. He left churches in the very last phase with no reopen date to be determined, listed between, sandwiched between theaters and ball games. And I publicly declared, I'm sorry, governor, churches are not entertainment, and churches are not simply a sport. Churches are essential. In fact, I would say they are the most essential enterprise in the state. Amen. And I'll tell you why. Because churches are the only institution on planet earth that is engaged in saving souls for all eternity. God bless everyone and God bless every corporate effort and God bless every government effort to save lives. We are part of that. We want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. But that being said, church is the only enterprise engaged in saving souls for all eternity. 
There's no government office to do that. There's no government ministry or funds to do that. There's no business that does that. Only the church saves souls for all eternity. And so later on that same day, Friday, May the 8th, we filed a legal suit in federal district court against Governor Gavin Newsom and his orders that effectively abrogated our constitutional rights by closing the doors to churches. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I never in my wildest imagination thought I would be involved in a lawsuit against the governor of the largest state in America. I mean, who would wake up, who in their right mind would wake up and say, you know, I'm bored. I think I'll just sue the governor of the largest state in America. And I'm just going to bring everybody's attention on I me. Mean, here comes the IRS, and here comes the fire department. Here comes the this and the that. Like, who's going to do that? You're not going to do that. I wouldn't do that. But I was contacted by the president of Salt Lake Council and said there is a consortium of attorneys uh, that represents over three law firms and Thomas More Society, different ones. And uh, they are looking for a you know, collaborative effort here to, to uh, give California churches and religious freedom some, some relief. And as goes California in many of these instances, so goes the nation. And uh, so they have lined up a Catholic bishop. They've lined up a Mormon bishop. They've lined up a Jewish uh, rabbinical leader. And they're looking for an evangelical bishop. And we recommended you. Would you do this? And so after some long process, I agreed to do it. And uh, so I thought it was this collaborative effort. It was supposed to be that. But when we finally filed on May 8, after the governor, again, left churches out of a reopen plan, um, the Catholic bishop bailed. And the Mormon bishop wouldn't commit. And it left me and the Orthodox Jewish rabbinical leader. And I thought later, well, you know, maybe this is providential. I mean, now, they looked for an, evangelist, an evangelical bishop, and they chose me. They didn't know they were getting more than just an evangelical bishop. They were getting a oneness apostolic Pentecostal preacher and pastor. <laughs> so it left the Jew, and it left the Pentecostal, amen, in the suit. And the next day, the Jew was forced to withdraw, and it left just me. I remember our lead attorney called me, Chuck LeMangier, early Saturday morning. He said, Bishop, got bad news for you. He said, we lost our rabbi. Now, this is during COVID. I thought, oh, my God, he, he died last night. This is untimely. He said, no, 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 he didn't die. We, we lost him. from the, I said, well, good, he didn't die, but bad, we lost him from the suit. So he said, we're down to just you. You're the last man standing. He says, are you, are you okay going forward? And no pressure on you. I said, well, I don't know. Are you okay with me by myself? He says, we're great with you. We just need one to win. I said, then let's go. Let's win this thing. So that, that's how I became involved with this. But again, looking back at it, the hand of the Lord, he was, I mean, I probably on my own would never have initiated something like this, but the Lord just kind of drew us into this situation. And so we filed suit. One week later on Friday, May 15, federal judge Cynthia Bichant denied our constitutional rights to free exercise of religious practices. We immediately filed the very next morning, Saturday, May 16, a, an appeal to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And then it was just three days following that, on Tuesday, May 19, that a three-page letter from the Department of Justice in Washington, D.C. was sent to Governor Gavin Newsom, the first of its kind to a governor of the state during this situation, warning him not to impose special restrictions on religious activity that doesn't apply to similar non-religious activity. And it named our church, South Bay United Pentecostal Church, two times in that letter. In the letter, it said there is no pandemic exception to the U.S. Constitution and its Bill of Rights. Two days later, on Thursday, May 21st, Church United held a press conference on our church campus. Numerous California pastors and other organizational leaders from various groups uh, stood together 
and publicly at this press conference made an essential declaration to return to church by May 31, Pentecost Sunday, with or without the governor's permission. Over 3,000 churches joined this effort. Amen. It would then be just the very next day, Friday, May 22, that President Trump would hold his unscheduled, unscripted, probably shortest of his career, probably 90-second press conference when he would step outside the White House and he would declare to the nation, Governors, let God's people go back to their houses of worship. Praise God. They are essential. Amen. It would be later that afternoon, that same Friday, that Governor Newsom would hold his own press conference announcing that he had a plan to reopen churches in time for Pentecost Sunday. Following that, we'd receive a call that weekend from the California Attorney General's office asking if we would drop our legal suit due to Governor Newsom announcing next week a plan to reopen churches in time for Pentecost Sunday. We said, no, thank you, we won't. The governor's orders have proven in the past to be capricious. He changes from week to week, and uh, we just need a higher authority to settle this issue once and for all. And indeed, on Monday, when he announced this plan, it was not a complete reopen. It was allowed to reopen to 25% of your building's capacity or maximum 100 people, whichever is less. Later that same night, Friday, May 22nd, a lot happened on that date, the Ninth Circuit Court denied our emergency injunction by a two-to-one split decision. The dissenting judge was Daniel Collins. He wrote a scathing 18-page dissent, which is quite unprecedented at this level and at that court. And in that dissent, he said, among other things, quote, banning worship in church is banning the single most important exercise of religious rights. Arguments that people of faith can engage in activity not required by their faith, while banning the activity that is required does not help the state. Indeed, disputes over how people may worship is what led to the founding of this great country, end quote. He made a further point that was then later elucidated by uh, Justice uh, Kavanaugh when we were before the Supreme Court. He said this, quote, Plaintiffs include South Bay Pentecostal Church, and Pentecost falls on May 31, 2020. The injury here is particularly poignant given that Pentecost, which the eponymously named church greatly desires to celebrate, falls on May 31, the birth date of the New Testament church. The very next day, Saturday, May 23rd, we filed our appeal to the Supreme Court of the United States of America, and they accepted it. It was a miraculous 15 days from the initial filing in federal district court asking for immediate injunctive relief from California governor's unconstitutional discriminatory restrictions placed upon churches to standing before the Supreme Court. Ours was the first case in the nation that the Supreme Court accepted and made a ruling on. And it would be one week later, six days later precisely, on Friday, May 29, late, late at night, 11.55 p.m., just before Pentecost Sunday, that the Supreme Court contacted us and notified us that it was a very close five to four split decision, but our request had been denied. 21 days from the initial filing to actually getting a ruling, the first ruling from the Supreme Court, and their entire ruling was simply these words, we reject the appeal. Justice Kavanaugh, along with two other justices, wrote strong dissenting opinions. And among 
statements he made is COVID-19 is not a blank check for the state to discriminate against religious people, religious organizations, and religious services. And by the way, our Acts 238 message and experience, our apostolic doctrines and practices, all are codified in briefs filed at all of these court levels, including the Supreme Court of the United States. All of them know about the United Pentecostal Church International. All of them know Acts 238. All of them know our doctrines and our practice. It doesn't matter what man does to shut down the church. God's going to find a way. Truth is going to be proclaimed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. In fact, you can go all the way back to the very first church in the first permanent settlement in America, Jamestown, I believe 1607. And on that wall of the first church is hanging this plaque. And it was hanging there when they built the church, according to the historians there. And it says this, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Brother Eli Hernandez said, Acts 2, 38 was in the DNA of America, and I believe that. Tomorrow, tomorrow, July 12th, will be the one-year anniversary of a post exactly a year ago by Franklin Graham when he was in Alaska, and he conducted an impromptu baptism. And here's what he posted on his social media. He said, the Bible says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2, 38. Let me tell you something. This message is spreading across our land. What in this world is going on? We'll tell you what is going on. God is saving souls. His truth is being proclaimed. Praise God. Lives are being redeemed. Amen. I want to note publicly, I don't want you to, to misunderstand anything. I don't want to misrepresent anything. We followed every generally applicable CDC, state, and county health guideline. And I stated publicly we would do that. I've stated that in the news media. I've stated that in the courtrooms. If they are generally, and that's the key word, generally applicable. If they are generally applicable, we will follow that. We will follow that. I believe firmly Jesus said that if you are compelled to go one mile, go two. So we not only followed every generally applicable CDC, state, county health guideline, we even have gone before. Beyond that, far beyond that, my, one of my daughters is a nurse. She told me what she said, Dad, your intake protocol at church is stricter than ours at the hospital. I said, well, praise God. I'm glad to hear that. It's not a safety issue with us. We want our, as your pastor said, we want our people to be protected, but we also want our right to worship the God of the Bible freely. We don't want that right to be infringed upon. Amen. And so we followed all these general applicable until Governor Newsom banned singing in church on July 1st, and he banned chanting in church. You say, oh, that's fine. We don't chant. Oh, yeah, you don't understand. This is code language. Chanting 
means when we come together and pray aloud. When you pray aloud, that's what they call chanting. So in effect, he banned singing in church and he banned corporate prayer in church. And then two weeks later, July 13, he closed church doors again permanently and they were not reopened at all for the rest of the year for all churches in California until we won the first major landmark Supreme Court ruling on January 5. So that's what has been faced in the state of California. We joined with the coalition of leaders and churches. We reopened our doors May 31, Pentecost Sunday, and we said, and I say today, we will never close our doors again for any reason under any circumstance. We'll continue practicing safe practices, but we'll not submit to a total ban on opening church doors. And we've continued singing, and we continue praying. Amen. We are commanded to do that in the Scripture, and we will not disobey that command. By the way, also, there's not a single case of COVID transmission as a result of anyone attending any of our church gatherings. And there were more than, and have been more than 200 such church gatherings, and not a single case of COVID transmission. To God be the glory for that. I saw this meme, and I thought it was appropriate and timely, and it's an actual, it's not just a made-up thing. This is an actual picture of more than 10,000 protesters downtown Los Angeles, and somebody made a meme out of that picture, and it has a little caption of one person in the crowd asking another one, so are we going to church tomorrow? And their neighbor says, don't be silly, it's not safe. And that's kind of literally what we were facing. I decided I would share. We have an electronic moving sign out in front of our church, and, and it kept showing up on the news. So I said, yeah, let's, let's put some messages on that sign that we want people to see. And so I said, can all the other messages, can the service times, I just want two messages on that sign. And I want Acts 2.38 to be on the sign. And then I want these words, safest place on earth. We're two city blocks from City Hall. We got that on our sign, safest place on earth. And it is. And you know why it is? Because Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You're the safest when you come to church than you are any other time of the week. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus said, fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. And that's what the enemy's trying to do. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's only God. The church is most essential, the safest place on earth. So whose report will you believe? Will you believe God or man? Now, we were denied reopening church doors again by the Ninth Circuit Court. I, I, I've taken to call them lately the Ninth Circus Court of Agendas because it becomes evident. That's kind of what it is by and large. But uh, they denied an appeal that was a, a late appeal for all churches to be able to open for Christmas Sunday. Yes, our churches were closed Christmas Sunday in California, unless you just defied the law and the governor. And so we appeared on Newsmax Live on Christmas Eve, and this was brought up. They said, well, what are you going to do, Bishop, with your churches? And, and uh, 
And, 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 I, and I shared with them that, that federal judge uh, Bashant acknowledged in open court, it's on the record, we got her to acknowledge that Hollywood was open but not churches. So ostensibly, Hollywood could rent my church building and they could make a movie pretending that it was church and they could pack it full of people not practicing any social distancing, not wearing any masks, and they could film if they wanted to seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And that was acceptable to the state of California. But if we gathered, if we gathered just with even two people at times in the building, even one hour a week, that was deemed unsafe. Just the hypocrisy of it. So Newsmax said live, they said, so what are you going to do this coming? What are you going to do Christmas Sunday? And I said, well, here's what we're going to do. I said, thank you for giving me this a chance. On national TV, we're now announcing a public casting call. All who want to be players are welcome to come. Sunday morning, 9 a.m., you can participate in the filming and broadcast of a new reality show series. Let's have church! Hey, let's have church. We're not playing church. This isn't pretend church. This isn't Hollywood. Let's have real church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So 2020 was quite a year. Somebody said, now 2021. But they weren't thinking it's the new year 2021. They were thinking 2020 W-O-N. Well, I don't think 2020 W-O-N. <laughs> Amen. And we'll tell you why. 2021 arrived. And after four defeats in federal district court, three defeats at the night, Circus Court of Agendas, and one defeat at the Supreme Court, we finally had a major resounding landmark win, a victory, February 5 at the Supreme Court, reopening all church doors in California. We've gotten thanks from you, everybody, Catholics and Mormons and, 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 and legislators and, and, and you name it. And, uh, and Justice Amy Coney Barrett kind of picked up on, on what we said with Newsmax, and here's what she wrote. In fact, this is her first written opinion as a justice on the Supreme Court writing in this ruling on our behalf, February 5. She said, of course, if a chorister can sing in a Hollywood studio but not in her church, California's regulations cannot be viewed as neutral. And she gave us the path to victory. So what in this world is going on? When 2021 begins with a U.S. congressman who is also a Methodist pastor giving the opening prayer for the 117th Congress on Sunday, 2021, and he said, quote, as he concludes his prayer, we ask it in the name of the monotheistic God Brahma and God known by many names, by many different faiths, a man and a woman, end quote. Wow. My new friend, Pastor Jim Garlow, commented on that. And he said, anyone that concludes a prayer saying a man and a woman is a moron. <laughs> Jim Garlow said it. I didn't. But. but honestly, I'm more concerned with the part when he said, in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many different faiths. Paul in Acts 17, 22, stood 
in the midst of Mars Hill. And he said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. We are living in the day and the age of the final revelation of the name of Jesus Christ being the saving name of the Almighty God. The last book in the Bible is called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. What in this world is going on? Paul said in Romans 1.22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Unprecedented. Who would ever have dreamed, even five years ago, that we would have churches closed by governor orders all across America? Who would guess that we would be cited and fined for conducting worship? One of my churches uh, had, was fined five times. Another church in San Jose, Pastor Mark McClure, will be together in a couple of weeks, and he, he is facing $3.5 million in fines. Hopefully our Supreme Court wins are going to uh, abdicate that, but, but that's still being, still being litigated at this time. Churches would face fines for opening the doors. Pastors face arrest and imprisonment. That we'd have to go to court just to have our religious liberties that are guaranteed in the U.S. Constitution. Who would have ever dreamed of these things? On April 12, we won a victory that was not widely reported, but it was very significant because we won a victory in federal court where we were allowed to depose the top California state health officer. What that meant was we were able to seek documents, all communications between Governor Newsom and the top health officer, cell phone text messages, emails, etc. As soon as we won that, our attorneys turned to me and they said, the case is over. We have won. It doesn't matter what happens from here on. We have won. There is no way, no way they are going to turn all that over. And sure enough, a couple days later, the state's office started calling us saying, now, what would it take for you to like settle this thing? What do we need to do? And we'll change. And they started immediately changing things at our, at our direction in, in, in the California requirements. They just said, all right, it'll be on the website within an hour. What else do you want? I mean, they all of a sudden became like our, our servants in a way. And we saw God give a great, great victory as a result of that. Amen. That was then codified by a Supreme Court ruling that we had actually filed way back in early December. And the Supreme Court, on their own, decided April 26 to pick that up and make a ruling on it. That became the last ruling the Supreme Court has made on these matters. We're kind of like the Alpha and the Omega for these religious liberty actions. Out of seven Supreme Court rulings, we have been favored with two in the affirmative in our particular case. And this one, April 26, was the final nail in the coffin. The Supreme Court said the government can no longer impose more restrictions on churches than they do on any other essential entity. And with the result of that, on June 1, we finally did settle with the state of California. At their insistence, we settled with them. There are three conditions in our settlement. Number one, they acknowledge that the South Bay United Pentecostal Church is the prevailing party in this legal action that's gone on for nearly a year. Number two, they accepted permanent injunctions, forever injunctions, against them discriminating against churches in California, even in emergencies in the future. And number three, they are awarding us $1.6 million to cover all of our legal fees and expenses. To God be the glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
So what in the world is going on? Genesis 50, 20. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. To save much souls alive. Hallelujah. Praise God. We've been on local news, regional news, state news, national news, international news. In May, we were on Martha McCollum's show. In July, we were on the Tucker Carlson show. December, we were on Newsmax. The most recent, June 5th, we were on Fox and Friends first. And uh, virtually every network station, local, regional, national, what have you. We've spoken in D.C. We've spoken in so many cities. What's it all about? It's not about me. It's not about the church. It's really not even about a court case. What it is is God is using this as his method and his means to display his truth, the apostolic doctrine, the Pentecostal experience, the holy lifestyle, praise God, and our evangelistic passion. He's using it to reach our world, to reach our world. Praise God. What is going on? Daniel Scott, longtime missionary wrote a prophecy God gave him in prayer and sent it in a lengthy letter to Brother David Bernard, our general superintendent of the UPCI. Brother Bernard read it, didn't really know what it meant or applied. He just kind of put it in his briefcase, but he carried it as he traveled for nearly a year. This was written on August 22, 2019, before any of this was on the radar. But he pulled it out after all of 2020 started happening, and he used it as the basis of preaching at General Conference 2020 in the fall. And here's what the prophecy said. My son, I will send a devastation on the United States, the like of which has never been experienced. The devastation will come with destruction multiplied times over, and the people will tremble. I will do this to bring the nation to its knees. Even the kings of the earth shall be clothed in fear. The entire population of the United States will then know the paths of treachery their leaders have traveled to destroy the faith of so many. My people who are called by my name will be tried severely, but my purpose will be to show myself to be their God even before I come to gather them to me. But the end is not yet. This will take place just prior to my return, and I will use this devastation to cause many spiritual prodigals who have turned away from me to return and reconsecrate their lives to me. And many who have left the love of righteousness and the gospel to realign their principles. Also, I will bring multitudes to know me. Because of that time, there will be a revelation that all men everywhere will know that I am the only Lord God. End quote. Evangelist Doug Kleindit said, everyone wants end time revival without the end times. Well, we are in the end times. And what about those end times? Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 2, 2, Don't be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit or word, by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. What in this world is going on? Here's what's going on. If you were God and you know that mankind has just only moments yet of mercy and grace left because we're at the end of the 2,000-year period of grace, the church age from Calvary to rapture. And if you knew you're wrapping things up as we know it on earth, what would you do as God? Would you make things as peaceable and prosperous and easy and nice on earth as you could? Or would you shake things up? to cause people to no longer trust in the things that are not secure and the things that are only temporal and turn their eyes heavenward because they need a Savior beyond what man's able to supply. What would you do? God is allowing this world and this earth to be shaken so people will turn to Him. He loves souls. He loves souls. He loves souls. He loves your soul. Jesus used two illustrations of His return. Noah, we read that at the beginning, and Lot. In Luke 17, 28, likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, 
They did eat, drink, bought, sold, planted, builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. He says, in that day, in that day, he that's in the field, don't turn back. He that's on the housetop, don't turn back. And then he said, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. You see, the angels got Lot's wife out of Sodom, but they couldn't get Sodom out of Lot's wife. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. The world passes away, and the things of the world pass away, but only he that does the will of God abides forever. And then it says, little children, it is the last time. It is the last time. And as you've heard, many antichrists will come, and the antichrist is coming. He's coming back for his bride, a bride that's made herself ready. And in his mercy, he's allowing the world to be shaken so that people will turn back to him. I'm asking you today to not leave this church house until you know you are ready to meet the return of Jesus Christ. The most important question you could answer today is are you rapture ready? Are you rapture ready? Would you stand together, please? I received a message September 23rd, 2020 from someone I don't know. They're a pastor from Indianapolis. And here's what they said. They said, God showed me this while I was vacationing in your state in the city of San Francisco. I'm currently there on vacation, preaching for a pastor, then heading home. And here's what he said God showed him. There is a spiritual shift taking place in California. The last time I was here last year, God spoke prophetically that California would no longer be known as the land of perversion, but as the land of Pentecost. The persecution from the government upon the churches of California is because the enemy is actually losing his grip and hold upon the people of California. There is a deep spiritual hunger among the people. It's the great void that sin and Satan has left in their hearts. They are unsatisfied. Hunger is rising. Soon the whole state will be lifting their hands and surrender to the Lord Jesus. Everything is shifting. The spiritual foundations are shaking. While I was praying against the spirit of fear and lawlessness in San Francisco, God gave me a powerful dream last night. He showed me how the spirits of fear and intimidation in Jezebel work. In my dream, the spirit of fear came after me, disguised as a trusted friend. When it came close enough to do harm, it revealed itself. I then took a flaming sword to stop it. I threw the sword at it, and it dodged it. I ran toward the sword, picked it up, and destroyed the spirit by stabbing it in the heart. The spirit was instantly destroyed. I woke up in a fearful mode. Then the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, Remember who you are and whose you are. The spirit of peace and rest settled upon me, and I slept very well afterwards. While the demonic spirits in this state have been very bold, they are actually very weak. Now is the time for the church to rise and seize this opportunity for revival. It is harvest time in California. When the enemy makes everything appear to be bad, it is actually because the kingdom of God is advancing and the enemy is losing territory. What California is currently experiencing is the birth pains of revival and the spasms of a dying serpent. 
Satan is losing his grip over the state. California will be known as the land of Pentecost. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. Satan means it for evil, but God means it for good to save many souls alive. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're in the end times. You better get right or you'll get left. We're in the end times. Jesus is coming. He's coming very soon. Are you rapture ready i'm going to open these altars for you to come and make sure that you are rapture ready come and renew yourself recommit yourself reconsecrate yourself if you're not rapture ready come and repent come and repent come and repent and in your repentance our god will forgive you and our god will fill you with the power of his holy spirit and assurance and confidence and courage and you will prevail praise god